From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. From the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, March 14th. Coming up today... Global financial stocks lose $465 billion following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Treasury yields come off their deepest three-day plunge in 35 years. And investors now await the latest reading on inflation with this morning's CPI report. What's in store for the tri-state area as a nor'easter comes through? Plus the man behind the 2017 terror attack in New York City avoids the death penalty. I'm John Tucker. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer. And towards the Giants have added a free agent linebacker. All five New York area NBA and NHL teams play tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We continue to see repercussions around the world from the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Global financial stocks have now lost $465 billion in market value in two days as investors cut exposure to lenders from New York to Japan. And now the Federal Reserve is launching an internal probe of its supervision of SVB. Steve Reitner is chairman of Willett Advisors. In terms of the regulatory oversight, yeah, I think I think there are a lot of uh, groups and entities that are going to have to account for themselves. The regulators, where were they? And this stuff, by the way, is hiding in plain sight. If you look at SVB's balance sheet, yeah. you will see at the end of 2022, they made clear that they had potential mark-to-market losses on this portfolio exactly equal to their equity. Willett Advisors Chairman Steve Ratner spoke with David Weston and Romaine Bostic on our daily edition of Wall Street Week. Ratner says it's important the American public regains confidence in smaller regional banks. Well, Amy, politicians are also questioning the lack of regulatory oversight. Tennessee Republican Senator Bill Haggerty tells Bloomberg's Joe Matthew he believes Silicon Valley Bank was mismanaged and regulators missed it. Where was the San Francisco Fed in terms of its regulatory oversight? Were the regulatory you know, agencies asleep at the wheel here? Uh, was it a management team that was more focused on ESG and cashing out stocks than they were in managing their bank competently? Uh, there are many, many questions to be answered here. And Republican Senator Bill Haggerty was a guest on Bloomberg Sound On, heard weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Hear the full interview on the Sound On podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And Karen, the government's emergency backstop of the financial system is also coming under fire. Billionaire Ken Griffin tells the Financial Times the government should not have intervened to protect depositors. Griffin says, quote, the U.S. is supposed to be a capitalist economy, and that's breaking down before our eyes. Now, at the same time, Michael Burry appears less concerned. The investor made famous by the big short film does not see any true danger at the moment and says the crisis could resolve quickly. 
Well, there's still concern, Amy, over regional financial firms. Moody's has placed First Republic Bank, Western Alliance Bank Corp., Intrust Financial, UMB Financial, Zions Bank Corp., and Comerica on review for downgrade. First Republic, which lost almost three-quarters of its value over the past three sessions, is up about 24 percent in early trading this morning. And the pain being felt by regional banks appears to be benefiting the big banks. We get details now live with Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Amy and Karen. Wall Street heavyweights saw an influx of deposits after the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and other regional lenders. J.P. Morgan alone received billions of dollars in recent days. Sources tell Bloomberg Bank of America, Citigroup and Wells Fargo also saw a bump in volume as customers move their money on fears that the crisis will spread. The domino effect began after SBB suddenly collapsed last week. It's the biggest U.S. bank failure since the financial crisis of 2008. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thank you. Well, we've seen historic moves in the Treasury market following the downfall of Silicon Valley Bank. We get more on that side of the story from Bloomberg Markets reporter Valerie Titel. Those two-year yields have rallied over 100 basis points in the last three sessions. That shift in short-term interest rates is unlike anything we've seen in the last four decades, including the 2008 financial crisis, the September 11th terrorist attacks, Black Monday 1987. Mm. This repricing has been phenomenally quick and brutal. We're now pricing in 100 basis points of cuts for the Fed out through the rest of this year. And Bloomberg's Valerie Titel says markets predict a federal funds rate around 4 percent by the end of this year. The next trigger for the bond market is likely only a few hours away. This morning's CPI report likely to be a major catalyst and will provide fodder for predictions on the Fed's next move. Bloomberg's Michael McKee has more. Following the collapse of Silicon Valley and Signature Banks, investors began repricing Fed rate hikes. Last week, they anticipated four more, a total of 1%. Now, just one move is baked in, and by a small margin, as traders bet concern about the banking system will outweigh worries about inflation. But the Fed can't stop worrying about inflation. And if we get a hot print for February, markets will likely reprice again. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Mike, thank you. Well, despite what today's CPI report may show, former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers says it still makes sense for the Fed to hike rates next week. My guess would still be that it will be appropriate for the Fed to move by 25 basis points uh, at its meeting next week, though conditions are always subject uh, to uh, change. And former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers predicts a 25 basis point hike, but says anything larger would not be sensible. And in Europe today, one of the biggest names in banking continues to have big problems. Credit Suisse says it's identified material weakness in its reporting procedures for the last two financial years and is adopting a remediation plan. Credit Suisse also says outflows at the bank have continued into this month. Shares are down more than 2 percent in Zurich. 35 degrees with a winter storm warning in New York. Time now to look at those stories and more in New York and around the world with Bloomberg's John Tucker. Good morning, John. Hi, Amy. Well, how much wintry weather will this nor'easter bring to the tri-state area? Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn has more on the rain and the snow. 
John, we're on the backside of this storm system. Most of the precipitation has fallen in the form of rain. It'll switch over to snow by midday in all locations. City, by the time it's winding down this evening, only picking up a coating to under two inches. But some of the suburbs north and west of town, particularly across Putnam and Orange County into parts of Fairfield County, could have as much as six inches or more snow from this system. It's also going to be rather windy. We'll see some gusts over 35 miles an hour as the storm system continues to intensify to the east of New England. John? All right, Rob, thanks very much. A man who drove a truck down a crowded New York City bike path, killing eight people, avoided the death penalty after a jury failed to agree on whether he should be executed for the 2017 terror attack. The Manhattan federal jury deliberated over two days, and the sentencing phase of the case against Saifelo Saipov was said it was unable to reach a unanimous decision. Donald Trump's former attorney and fixer Michael Cohen testified before a Manhattan grand jury investigating the former president's hush payment to adult film star Stormy Daniels. Trump has also been invited to testify before the grand jury, but has no plans to do so, saying this is all politics. Trump's personal attorney, Joe Tacopina, called Cohen untrustworthy. Any legal scholar, including former members of the, the Federal Election Committee, have said there's no crime here. There is absolutely no crime. And we should not be going well, down Michael a road. Michael Cohen went to jail for this crime. No, Michael Cohen went to jail because he was a liar, convicted perjurer on a lot of things. He pled guilty to something that actually wasn't a crime. Tacopina spoke on ABC's Good Morning America. Former President Trump said he considers Ron DeSantis as his strongest potential challenger for the GOP nomination. Trump attacked DeSantis during his first 2024 campaign stop in Iowa. During his speech in Davenport, Trump said DeSantis opposed ethanol, which is important to farmers in the Midwest. Ron DeSantis, did anyone ever hear of DeSantis? DeSanctimonious, DeSantis. Now, Ron DeSantis strongly opposed ethanol. Do you know that? Trump also says that when DeSantis was in Congress, he voted to raise the minimum retirement age for Social Security to 70 years old. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm John Tucker. This is Bloomberg Amy. All right. Thank you, John. now for the sports report brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's Bloomberg's John Stash Hour. Thanks, Amy. Plenty of player movement. Opening day of NFL free agency, but things for now all quiet on the Aaron Rodgers front. No word of a trade between the Jets and Packers. We don't even know if Rodgers wants to continue his playing career. He had said he'd let everyone know sooner rather than later. Giants fill the need at inside linebacker. They signed Bobby Akerake who with Indianapolis is one of the NFL's top tacklers. Giants also re-signed backup running back Matt Breida. Raiders needed a quarterback with the departure of Derek Carr. They signed Jimmy Garoppolo. Has a history with Raiders coach Josh McDaniels. They were together at New England. Sam Darnold went from the Jets to Carolina. Now he's headed to the 49ers. Another QB, Mike White, who had some good moments as a Jet. Signed with Miami. Jameis Winston staying with New Orleans. He'll back up Carr. The Knicks road trip so far. Two losses, then a win. It ends tonight in Portland. Nets look to make it six wins the last seven games. They're at Oklahoma City. The Nets are only one game behind the Knicks for fifth in the East. Rangers host Washington. Devils host Tampa Bay. And the Islanders visit L.A. NCAA tournament begins with two games in Dayton, Ohio. It begins in earnest on Thursday. World Baseball Classic in Phoenix. A nine-run first inning for the U.S. and a 12-1 route of Canada. The U.S. needs to beat Columbia tomorrow to reach the quarterfinals. Yankees lost to the Twins 1-0. Mets over the Marlins 9-3. Three-run homer for Tomas Nito. Joe Pepitone has passed away at 82. Brooklyn native was the Yankee first baseman for most of the 1960s. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. 
From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Amy Morris. As we continue to follow the developments around the collapse of SVB, the residual impact on the regional banking sector. We turn now to Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Analyst Herman Jen, whose focus is regional banks. Herman, always a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time this morning. What Thanks. are you seeing in the regional banking sector now? Look, we're seeing uh, a rise in the bank shares pre-market this morning, and that's a great situation. I've always been in the view that yesterday's action was really overblown, given the fact that both SVB and another bank that I follow, Signature Bank, were closed by the regulators. Uh, but the, the entire regional banking sector has been really strong from a liquidity capital standpoint. We're seeing some pressure from deposits, but that doesn't mean that that should be a solvency or an existential risk. It just means that they're just going to have to deal with some funding issues, which the regulators and the and the uh, Federal Reserve shored up over the weekend with a new uh, liquidity facility. Is what they did over the weekend enough? What more do they need to help these smaller banks out? Yeah, I, I think it's it's very enough. It's a very potent facility where, where banks can uh, borrow from the Fed and use their existing assets to, to shore up the, the liquidity profile of the bank. So it, it is something that is a solution to, to what the banks are facing today. Willett Advisors Chairman Steve Ratner had told Bloomberg Radio that it's important the American public regains confidence in smaller regional banks. How do they do that? What's the next step? Sure. Um, I, I think another factor that, that should shore up the confidence is that the fact that the depositors at both SVB and Signature were backstopped. Uh, everybody from those two institutions that, that had uh, deposits within those banks are going to be made whole. And the inference is that if any other banks fail, then the, 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 the regulators would, would do the same action. Let's look back just a little bit, because before last week, nobody had really heard of Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, has this, this has had actually more of a global impact, so I'm wondering, has this surprised you at all? No. Uh, the, the interesting thing about Silicon Valley Bank is that they are deeply embedded into the Silicon Valley venture capital startup uh, community. So they bank, despite being a bank that most people never heard of a week ago, they had very strong relationships. And if you asked anybody in Silicon Valley, you know, the S CEO of Facebook or, or Google, everybody would know who SVB was. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the issue. They, they banked a lot of the, the startups and the technology firms uh, globally. And, and you've seen some folks come out and, and be very distressed with the issue. 
Now, it sounds as though you feel like the dust may be settling at this point, but Moody's has placed First Republic, Western Alliance, Interest Financial, UMB Financial, Zions, and Comerica all on review for downgrade. Is that, uh, does that portend anything else that you might want to, you know, factor in there? Sure. Uh, what what the, the Moody's downgrades was looking at was um, mm-hmm. the, the unrealized losses in the securities portfolio of, of these banks, which is really one of the reasons that SVB was under so much pressure because they were sitting on a 15 billion loss position, uh, much higher than any other bank that I followed. Uh, and, and another factor is the deposit flight that that's that the regional banks. Are, are seeing today and the fact that some deposits are uninsured and naturally if you have a, a portion of your deposits that's uninsured is over the $250,000 limits uh, you would be prudent to move that to a different institution so that's something that that uh, I'm aware of that I'm monitoring and that's something that Moody's is taking a look at as well. It's actually just about to ask you what you're going to be monitoring and what you're watching for today. Yeah, it's really going to be um, wh- what we're seeing from a liquidity standpoint. Do, do the banks come out and talk about more about the stability within their deposit base? That That's the number one issue within the banks today. So no more shoes are going to drop? We're all, we're all good now? Well, hopefully we can live for another day. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Analyst Herman Chan. Uh, just one more quick question for you. We've got about 30 seconds here. And, I don't, and looking back, could anybody have seen this coming? There are a lot of fingers being pointed here. Well, we've written about it. Uh, we, we're talking about deposit flight being an issue. We've talked about the unrealized losses within the securities portfolio. Uh, the trajectory of, of interest rates ha, ha, has been one of the things that has surprised a lot of people. And during the the pandemic, when rates were so low, a lot of these banks built up their securities portfolio in a bid to sort of uh, raise their their revenues uh, because there was not a lot of lending going on. So right. uh, now these banks are getting caught off sides a bit with, with their interest rate uh, mismatch with their funding. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. 
alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.